Hello, I'm Ellie Harris. And I'm Mark Boucher. And welcome to Poking Books. A podcast where I introduce a mystery author who will explain their book through three books which influence that book. And somehow I have to guess what their book is about. And Ellie will know absolutely nothing about the author or their book until they sit down to record with us. Their name, what kind of book they've written, I will know nothing until they enter the studio. We're quite way through the Poking Books saga at the moment, aren't we? We've had quite a lot. Saga's the wrong word, I meant in a good way. Um, the saga's good. The saga of poking books. It is epic, that's why. Yeah, it's fun. It is like a mystery book recommendation for all of our listeners, but also a mystery book recommendation for me. Because you genuinely never have any idea. No. Um, and the amount of people who ask me, they're like, oh, so who have you got coming this week? And I'm like, I don't know. That's the point of the <laughs> the point of the podcast. I'm not allowed to know. Mark conceals people downstairs and I have to hide upstairs and it's like, it's very cloak and daggers. Just like, you know, pretty much every author says, can I go to the loo before we start recording? I don't think anyone's going to be angry that we've said that. No. I mean, it's a sensible thing. And, you know, your mum always used to ask, or your parent or your guardian always used to ask, have you been to the toilet before you, you know, before we go, yeah. before we go on the journey? And poking books is a journey for all of us involved. A exactly. nice one. Exactly. <laughs> um, yes, but not one of those ones that involves disappointment in a rail replacement bus. No, correct. Um, but we're not here to talk about your mum. No. We're here to talk about Max. We are. Max is slightly more urgent, so uh, yes. hang around Hang around to the end for this one. It was a very... My God, my muscles hurt from laughing. But it's also, I don't know, a really nice balance between humour and uh, stuff that's quite serious. And with a touch of... Space. Space. Ellie, this is Max. Hi, Max. Hello, Ellie. How are you? I am okay. Reasonably so. Good. Mm. For a cold February day. Indeed, yes. Mm. Better than bad. Mm. So, Max, I've heard you might have collected together a few fun facts about yourself. Yes, I have. Um, So, so, um, first fact... As a child, I disposed of four pet in- stick insects in four completely different ways. Fact two, <laughs> I once saw a UFO, Yeah. Um, but I had only had two cans of Cronenberg at the time. Oh. That is a promise. Okay. Yes. Right. My third fact is I was once underneath Iceland. I mean the country. The the country. I was underneath Iceland. Underneath. Underneath Iceland. Just an interesting choice of words. And um my bonus uh, my bonus fact is um (laughs) is that I once made Worf from Star Trek uncomfortable in my presence. Okay, interesting. Mm. Mm. Oh there are so many questions. I mean also it said on the email I got from Max with his fact, the uh, Iceland one and the Wharf from Star Trek fact, um, the, the Wharf from Star Trek fact said part two, um, that which was like, it made it sound like they were connected. Are they? No. So you just snuck <laughs> in a fourth fact. My clumsy, <laughs> my clumsy writing at the time. <laughs> so so mm. also what we've learned about Max is that he doesn't know what the number four is. Mm. He just thinks it's called three part two yes it was my which is understandable yeah you know why wouldn't you think that automatically absolutely i get I it was a rubbish number i don't <laughs> think we should like just be reworking all numbers based on this no no that, that wouldn't be a good idea no mm. unwise so well, you said you actually saw a ufo yes do you want me to go into more detail about that nah 
Oh. Oh, all right. Tell us about the UFO. Okay. Um, I was standing over the toilet. An indoor or an outdoor toilet? Uh, it was an indoor toilet. Okay. Was it an indoor outdoor UFO? It was a. It was an outdoor UFO. Okay. I think you're being silly. <laughs> and I was. I was gazing. I know through, I, am. I was gazing through this little window, and it was open. Yeah. It was a few years back now. Um, mm. quite a few years back, and um. I was just looking up, doing what I was doing, and um, there were these there were these three lights. I, I promise you, I'm not making this up. Oh no, I'm there were these, with you. There were these three lights in the sky. Mm-hmm. They came together, mm-hmm. and then they each just shot off in different directions. They looked like a star would look in the sky, mm-hmm. but they were moving in a very strange way. They all came together, and they just shot off. Like they were having a conference, and like they, they decided they needed conference. to go off and do something really important. Precisely, okay. yeah, a, a little chat. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and oh, that was my been... sighting. Yes, mm. yes. Mm. Okay, okay. Mm. Bonus fact. So, okay. Ellie, you've stalled for enough time. What yes. do you think Max's book is about? I think Max's book is about a troll who lives in a cave that meets seven aliens from seven different planets and um, experiences different worlds throughout the books. It's obviously fiction. Because mm. I'm not sure if trolls are real. Are you thinking of Worf when you think of the troll and his No, forehead? no, no, not, not particularly, no. no. I was more thinking about the underground element. And I was thinking, oh, what lives okay. underground? Okay. Troll. Clearly yeah, trolls yeah. live underground. Do, do you, I'm, I'm going to check. Is Worf the, the dude with the kind of... Um, for, for the tape, I'm running my finger around down the middle of my... It's moderately forehead. arousing, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but he, is, he the, is he the dude with the, the sort of the, the thing down the middle of his forehead he, and he, the sort of the hair that goes um, sort of down... I, I can't describe Worf. I'm surprised that you wouldn't be able to. He's the Klingon. He's a he's the Klingon in um, Star Trek: The Next Generation. Yeah, he's got sort of like a. It, it looks like the the impact craters on his forehead. Mm. Yeah, and, and long hair. Despite all appearances, um, I'm not really a Star Trek fan. I do mm. flip in love Doctor Who though. I'm Star Wars. Okay, so Sorry. we've got three different we people have. here. Um. Okay. But this that... is oh, it's like a metaphor for the UFOs. Like we all came together for a chat, and then we were like, oh no, we've all got different things in common. Like differences does that mean and someone urinating is watching us right now <laughs> max could you give us book number one please okay so book number one um is where the wild things are by maurice sendak mm-hmm. i hope i'm pronouncing his name correctly it was a firm childhood favorite of mine um for those who don't know much about it the protagonist is a boy called max mm-hmm. um which Obviously, my name is Max, so I related to him immediately. Um, and he's naughty and gets sent to bed without any supper and ends up going on this journey to this land far away where these monsters are and he becomes their king and eventually comes back. Mm-hmm. I like the book Spoilers. because it's um, it, it's very subtle, um, very simple, it seems, mm-hmm. on the surface, but I think there's quite a lot going on and you can interpret it in so many different ways. Mm. And for me, it was always quite a psychological journey that this boy goes on. Um, And for that reason, I really appreciated it. Mm. Um, It's got wonderful illustrations in it as well. Beautiful pictures. And I think it's just, it's just a staple part of childhood uh, for a lot of children. Mm -hmm. So that's my first book. Okay, great. Good. I was going to say, do you like anything where the main character is called Max? Like Mad Max. 
Uh, I do like Mad Max, actually, yeah. Um, I think he's a sound guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Yep. Um, Ellie, um, in case you thought you had more stalling time, um, that line of inquiry is over. Okay. What do you think? Are you sticking with your troll and seven aliens from Seven Worlds? Looks a strong start. I'm like I'm I'm inclined to, if I'm honest. Um any more detail to it, if you are? I still think there's aliens involved. Can I just point out that you have an alien themed t shirt on as well? Mark which, pointed it out. Uh, yeah, well. space yeah, themed. Earlier. There's a picture of a cat with a white beard <laughs> with a moustache as well. It's quite wavy. Did you have anything more you wanted to add? So I'm gonna stick with the kind of sci fi theme to the book. I think it is based on historical figures. I think there's a historical figure instead that is meeting aliens. Um, I'm just going to stick with my seven different from seven different worlds. Why not? Oh, it's probably set in like times of yore. Um, so times of yore, a historical figure that is known to the public, I haven't picked her yet, is either abducted by or meets seven aliens from seven different worlds, a bit like the ghost of past, present, future. Um, and it's him going on these journeys uh, and sort of trying not to appear like people aren't believing him when he's talking about it to other people so he's having to keep it under wraps all his new learnings and new adventures cool nice very very nice very very nice okay well hopefully we're um, on to three books they're all quite uh, they're all quite similar so uh, let's see what's next okay uh, Max what is your second book so book number two mm-hmm. is UFOs and the National Security State by mm. Richard Dolan. It's non-fiction. And I think it's a fascinating book um, because this fella, Richard Dolan, he's got a good pedigree. He went to some of the top universities, including Oxford, um, and he was researching the Cold War. Mm-hmm. And he sort of stumbled across the history of ufology, um, mm. particularly in American politics. And he started to research from there. And he's basically done a catalogue of all the key events in ufology history from sort of the late 40s all the way through in a couple of volumes up until, I think, the turn of the 21st century. Uh And it's particularly interesting because he didn't go in it with any kind of agenda. Um, He didn't necessarily believe anything. And he just presented his findings um, for what they were Um, however they sounded but quoting all the sources as well Mm. and I thought it was quite fascinating because a lot of what what he talks about comes from military sources Mm. pilots politicians Um, he presents lots of physical facts as well so Mm -hmm. sort of radar readings Um, and I really became interested in this um, because it wasn't the kind of ufology you see in the media which is usually quite ridiculous yeah this seemed a lot more grounded mm. and, um, dare I say it, borderline believable. Okay. So I dare say it. Dare, I dare say it because I know, I know how <laughs> that sounds. No, and no. the fact that I've seen a UFO. Yeah. Um, but three. It, three. Yeah, three. Uh, yeah, I, sh- mm. I should pick it up a bit more. Should I? Um, I've actually seen three. Okay. Three UFOs. Yeah, that's what I would leave yeah, with. A small, a small fleet. Of <laughs> <laughs> Very small fleet. Um, Squadron. It is, a, it is a fleet. If you had three cars and you were a business, you'd get fleet insurance. So, yeah, it's a fleet. I suppose it is, yeah. Oh, well, there we go. Mm-hmm. I'm okay. glad that's cleared up. So, obviously, yeah. <laughs> so I've seen a fleet of UFOs. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's it's that book. 
Uh, yep. Non-fiction, as I said. Um, but with all the... <laughs> oh. <laughs> Um, but with uh, with all the sources quoted as well, yep. um, and it was very interesting. Right. Um, what do you act, Sally? Fine. You've broken me. We'll go to non-fiction. That's where I'm going to now land. Oh, are you? Just because of one non-fiction book? <laughs> I just feel like that's where I started. And originally, I went to say non-fiction, and at the last moment after the facts, I went, fiction! Like that. I might stay on similar lines, though. I feel like I've touched on a sci-fi thing. Maybe, okay, I'm torn. Can I tell you what I'm torn between? Go on, tell us. I'm torn between staying with um, a significant historical figure documenting their interactions with... I also didn't know it was called ufology, by the way. This is a new fact for me. This is really interesting. Um, Documenting their interactions with seven different alien life forms from seven different places. Maybe they were all very different. And... I think it's because you mentioned the army, but then we go back to fiction. A fiction space battle between aliens and the American army. Sorry, could you give us a quick <laughs> summary of this book? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, which one? The, the, the oh, of course you were torn. Oh, okay, um, I'm going to stick with non-fiction, a significant historical figure and their interactions with multiple alien life forms slash UFOs. Cool. Okie dokie. Okay. Mm, I'm Very enjoying nice. this. Very nice. Mm. Yeah. Okay, um, and now let's go to, uh, I think let's go to our third book. Okay. Ask people to think outside the box. So Max, um, what's your third book? Okay, so serious face now. Mm-hmm. Number three isn't a book. Okay. It's a piece of legislation. Mm. It is the Children Act 1989. Okay, so... I've chosen this because of its importance mm-hmm. um, and I think that legislation is its own form of literature mm-hmm. um, very important obviously um, and so intricately and meticulously written as well with all the detail and all the things you have to consider when you're making law mm-hmm. the Children Act 1989 um, I think is particularly important because it's the hallmark of a civilization when it's caring about those who are vulnerable right. and following quite a difficult period of time um, before that in children's social care, the Children Act 1989 um, really put in a powerful framework Mm. for professionals to support children. And that has carried on with more legislation all the way through to the the present day Mm -hmm. and is continuing even as we speak. So the Children Act 1989 I choose because of its importance um, in that respect. Um, and because I think it does have a literary quality as well, mm-hmm. just because of the intricacy of what it is what it is putting out there. Um, and also another reason I like it is because, without getting too technical, mm-hmm. of Section 17 in it, which is the duty to support children in need. Mm. And a lot of children in need in this country are those with mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's important that we have that kind of support in place. Yeah. There you go. Great. It's genuinely one of the most really fascinating um, choices for a book or text. Yeah. Um, which way are you going now? Okay. I'm going to stick with non-fiction. And I think it is a book that looks at various people who have had experiences of or with 
UFOs, aliens, and how they have been stigmatized in society for having those kind of thoughts, feelings, experiences. Um, so taking kind of like a serious look at documenting what they believe and then the kind of outcome and what the repercussions of that have been. Oh, really nice, really nice. Um, I've jumped all over the shop today, although yeah. aliens have been a common theme for me. They have. Yeah. I mean, he, I mean, they are plastered <coughs> all over Max's t-shirt. <laughs> it's like subliminal messaging. There might not even the book I might not even be about like it. Liminal but... messaging. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what liminal messaging is, but I think coming with aliens on your t-shirt. <laughs> oh, and a maybe mystery podcast. And maybe the kind of um, maybe there's a medical what's the word slant to it where. I don't know why the underground fact is bringing me back to this, but the kind of... <laughs> it's just because Max um, saw UFOs <clears throat> on the toilet, isn't that? I wasn't on no, the toilet. I'm talking about underground. I was in the toilet. I wasn't on it, though. <laughs> um, I was just going to say the kind of... Uh, I think it's probably looking historically back. Um, and maybe not actually that far back, because that act is, what, 1989, did mm. you say? So it's not actually that long ago. Mm. Um and looking at kind of what the I'm going to use quote marks treatments were for people who'd have these experiences uh, and encounters. Nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay, that was very nice. I think um, I think now the time has come yes. um, for uh, Max to reveal um, his book. So, <laughs> Max, could you give us your full name, the name of your book, and tell us what it's about? Okay, so. My full name is Maximilian Hawker. My book is called Rory Hobble and the Voyage to Halligoggin. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a children's book um, and it focuses around an 11-year-old boy uh, who suffers from obsessive compulsive disorder mm. in an abusive home who travels with his social worker into space to rescue his abducted mother. Wow. <laughs> I wasn't that close. Was you themes. were touching on themes. 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 Yeah. Your initial thoughts, I was like, you might get this. Uh, yeah, mm, yeah, definitely. And skewed, skewed off. But I think the the fact you were getting um, a lot of, I mean, once you bring in things like the the children act, it mm. does become, you know, very likely that this will be a factual book. Mm. Yes. Um, but I think there is a real element of truth to a lot of this could you tell us a little bit about i mean i think both yourself and your job max yeah that probably provides a bit more context Mm -hmm. definitely so um i work in frontline children's social care okay um i support children leaving the care system Mm -hmm. um who can present with many kinds of difficulties and issues which Mm -hmm. they need support working through um but i was diagnosed at the age of 14 with obsessive compulsive disorder me too oh snap oh were you really yeah i was genuinely yeah okay all right i didn't realize that either i don't think you've ever mentioned that yeah one of those i've I've brought something here with me as well there you go yeah okay so um I I do some advocacy work for the charity mm-hmm. OCD Action. Um, I've spoken on BBC Radio London, the the BBC Asian Network as well. I don't know why I was chosen for that, um, but I was. Mm-hmm. Um, and a few other um, few other outlets as well, including Community Care, which is the prime um, prime publication in the UK, I believe, for social care. Mm-hmm. Um, I do a lot of a uh, lot of discussion about how I suffer with OCD um, without wanting to get too bogged down in mm-hmm. it. 
I suffer with intrusive, violent thoughts mainly. Mm. Um, and that is what I've put into the head of the protagonist in my book, Rory. Oh. Because OCD is not very well represented in children's fiction. There mm. are a few examples of it. There is definitely nothing that I've seen um, where a child has intrusive violent thoughts, which mm. is still very much a taboo subject. And just because you're a child, it doesn't mean you can't have adult thoughts. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to change that. Um, and my book is quite an epic. Uh, it is really is a voyage, as mm -hmm. the title suggests. Um, and it does involve a breakaway human civilization that has been part of a cover-up for many years mm -hmm. uh, to hide the fact that there is alien life. Um, and what a lot of alien life there is in the book. <laughs> I got really carried away with my imagination. It was good fun. Um, and yeah, it builds towards quite a climax um, where the character, the boy, has to confront his mother eventually mm. um, and decide whether he wants to rescue someone who is responsible for abusing him. Mm. So there are some dark elements in it yeah. because I think good children's fiction blends humour and horror mm -hmm. quite often um effectively wow mm. and I, I think there's also quite a big character you've not really talked about as well yeah there probably is uh, <laughs> and that is um limmy the social worker mm -hmm. um she um she is a care experienced herself mm -hmm. so she's a care leaver turned social worker right and she she supports rory throughout the novel to work through his ocd okay um, as they're traveling through space mm. um, and my decision to include a social worker in the book is because social work gets a very bad rep in the media mm. you always hear about things going spectacularly wrong mm. where an enormous amount of the time social workers are doing a lot of good work mm. and I wanted that to appear in children's fiction as well so mm. children have a more of a balanced view of what social work is yeah. and the fact that they are there to support you um, if they do happen to be involved in your life. Mm. And there is a stigma attached to that and it's also about breaking that stigma. Yeah. I think you make mm -hmm. her very interesting because she's the one that is a slight um, form prefect kind of character from <laughs> yes. people that know Hitchhiker's mm. Guide to the Galaxy who Arthur Dent, this sort of very normal human, discovers that his friend form prefect is actually from a different galaxy. And yes. um, then sort of leads him on this adventure into space. And I had, when you described Limmy, it, I, I thought it was a bit like that. And I think I find that really interesting because often people are really, you know, you see that character as a sort of nagging, a nagging side character that mm. they would escape from in the novel, a parent mm. or a mm. carer or something like that. But you actually had them as the as Limmy is the exciting character that he goes on the adventure with. That's right. She's mm. the catalyst for it because she belongs to this breakaway civilization, but also works undercover as a social worker on Earth, mm. which is an interesting choice of, of I suppose, <laughs> if you if you are part of this other civilization in space. But hey, there you go. Oh. I think it's so wow. fascinating in terms of like representation of these, things. and particularly like again, you'd have usually it would be the side character who has these violent thoughts or stuff, or like you would equate them having these violent sort of thoughts mm. with being a malign mm. child character, mm. um, like Sid from Toy Story or something mm. like that. Yes. Mm. And the reason I 
No Max is that he is an author with Unbound, which mm-hmm. I am. And um, I started off as a filmmaker and made films for many people. Max actually hired me to make his film um, for him. It was several people who said, like, you should get any podcast that we can get Max on. And I was mm. like, okay, right, we're already quite swamped. <laughs> do it. But do you want to talk a little bit about um, uh, your campaign and the, the deadline you have? Mm, yes. yes, please do. Indeed. Um so, um, as Mark said, I'm crowdfunding through Unbound for this book. Um, at the moment, as of today, it's just about 60% funded with over 180 supporters, which is, which is good. Mm-hmm. But I have mm-hmm. two weeks left. Okay. Um, two weeks yesterday, in fact. So um, I do not have much time mm-hmm. left, and I'm trying to get as much support as possible. One of the other things I'm trying to do with this book, um, if it does get published is to take it into schools to do creative workshops mm. um, with students about social work and about OCD to yep. try and break through those stigmas mm-hmm. and demystify um, a mental health condition yep. and an entire profession. So, um, And also um, with OCD Action, um, they have said that they will include the book in their support pack, which they send out to UK wow. schools. And they're looking to send it out to an initial 100 schools. Wow. So that's incredible. It it's pretty cool, yeah, and it's scary, and it's scary to think that it's only two weeks away, and this mm. could all be gone. Mm. So I'm definitely looking for support. Mm-hmm. Um, the Unbound community has been absolutely amazing in coming to my support, um, as have a number of members of the OCD community. Mm. So that's that's what's happening with the book at the moment. So if people want to support it, they go to onbound.com and it's best probably to search Rory Hobble. Yeah, or even just to type in Max and the book will come up because there aren't many Maxes on hmm. on Unbound. And this is this is essentially like pre-ordering the book mm-hmm. um, and everybody gets their name in the book. So, yeah. That's right. And there are a few nice prizes that you know things uh, extras that you can get as well if you pre-order so um you you'll get access to a sort of playlist of uh, a lot of the music which inspired me when i wrote the book Mm, it was mainly music and movies actually that inspired me as opposed to books and text um and you also ah you there's also an Easter egg hunt throughout the book. I love ah. an Easter egg hunt. So, because I was inspired by a lot of 80s and 90s sci-fi, I yep. put little, um, little, little mentions of them throughout gems. each little gems mm. throughout the book. And there's one in each chapter. Okay. The first person to, <laughs> as long as it gets published, um, <laughs> the first person to correctly get each each Easter egg in mm-hmm. each chapter. And get that back to me. We'll get a very special mystery prize. Ooh, mystery prize! And I'm not going to say what it is, but it is damn good. Okay. <laughs> okay. Brilliant. Okay. Very cool. I, I like that. I um to prove my Doctor Who credentials. Um, there are geeky mentions of obscure Doctor Who stuff that only obscure Doctor Who fans would get <laughs> in the Boy Who Stole Time. So, yeah, geeky stuff. Do you want to tell us a little bit about some of your um, facts? I want the to know about the stick insects. insects. The stick ah, insects. It's been yeah. burning a hole in my brain for the entire time. I finally you say burning. Um. Oh, God. <laughs> Cremation. It's okay. a legitimate 
So, um, yeah, okay. I, I said I had, I had a number of pets as a child, mm-hmm. and the four stick insects was uh, were one of the weirder ones that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had them for a little while. I don't know how old it was, probably seven, eight, something like that. Do you have all four at the same time? Yeah, I had right. all four at the same time. I thought they would probably need some company mm-hmm. um, being sticks together. They could form a branch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but one day they they uh, pretty much all together they sort of they sort of all went very rigid and mm. they just fell to the bottom and I was quite sad and I thought great they didn't last very long I, I mm. didn't realise sticking sets have quite quite a short lifespan mm. um, I was I was a fairly messed up kid so I thought I'm gonna I'm gonna get rid of them in different ways I don't know why I decided on that mm-hmm. the first I chucked in the bin fairly. Simple. That's what I'd like done to me. No yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What? Yeah. Chuck me in the bin. Which one? Recycling. <laughs> well, we've got. The, I fits. don't think you'd fit Recycling. in the food. Not in the kitchen like, bin. Yeah, but I think you should be in the food caddy. But that's the smallest one. Uh, <laughs> I was I mean, about to say meat, chop me into bits yeah. and put me in like week by week, but I just <laughs> okay. thought actually let's not go down that route. I realised um, what I should have said was no, Ellie, you're brilliant. Please stay with us. Who will pay the rent if you die? I'm more saying, you know, by accident, you know, if I were to die, just chuck me in the bin. It's fine. Let's save some money. I'm not going to do that. Okay. We're going to have a massive gig and party and everyone's going to be there. And we'll throw me in the bin at the end with all the bottles. (laughs) Back to the earth. Yes. Anyway, so the first one, so the first one, um, the first stick in the bin. Went in the bin. bin. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. Um, The... (laughs) <laughs> the second one, um, like I hope Ellie won't, went flush down the loo. No. Yeah. That's not how I want to go. So, um, uh, you know, expulsion by water. The third one, <laughs> the third one I put in a little box and I buried it. So that was the most oh. dignified and humane yeah, yeah. one. Perhaps I like that one a bit more. Where did you bury it? Just in the back garden. That was okay. all. Um, just did to... you mark the grave? Or... No, I didn't do that mm. because my the, the back garden where I lived was littered with the remains of lots of animals, and okay. I sometimes dug them up accidentally. <laughs> so like yeah, cats. Just, and... just just for clarity, <laughs> like former pets, <laughs> animals that I just butchered. <laughs> uh, no, um, they were former pets. We got we we got through a steady stream of cats. Okay. Right. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, I, I buried that one. And the third, I I the fourth sticking set three part two. Um, I burnt. Um, I, I think if I remember correctly, I put it in a little box and I put I put because my sister had a hamster. I put some of the um, and I put what was that stuff? The wood sawdust. chip sawdust. And I stuck some of that, and it just went up like a. I, I think we all remember that um, scene where Luke Skywalker sets yes, um, Darth Vader on fire at the end of Return of the Jedi. It's spoilers. Uh, um, I'm just imagine that I'm very small really glad, on a match. I'm just uh, really glad it stopped there because you said my sister had a hamster. I was like, no, 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 no. leave the hamster uh, out of it. For, for more oh, on dead gosh. pet stories, please see episode three. Um, Part two. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Incidentally, her hamster got eaten by the cat. <laughs> there was a lot of death. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so I burned that one. So, bin, toilet, ground, fire. That's what yeah. the episode should be called. Max, bin, toilet, ground, fire. I think we all have guessed that your book was called Pet Cemetery. Oh, that wasn't already God. a thing. Any, anyway, um... It, it was a few days later that I 
I read that they hibernate. <laughs> Not oh. out of fire. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the stick insect story. Right. Anyway. So Max, I would absolutely love to hear you reading uh, from Rory Hobble and the Voice to Harry Coggan. Okay. Yes, please. So I'm going to read from the very beginning um, because I find if you just jump a few chapters in, people haven't got a clue what's going on. It mm-hmm. doesn't really make much sense unless you set it up. So chapter oh. one, The Intruders. <clears throat> it is a sharp November night when Rory Hobble spots something impossible in the night sky. He drops his binoculars, glancing at the bedside digital clock, which projects an eerie red 2338. The only sound is the occasional yell of his mum from the other side of the bedroom, struggling through yet another bad dream. Shuffling over the bed, he leans his arms into the chill window sill. Far, far below is what seems such a little world, barbed in shadow. Unfastening the latch, Rory pushes the window open, the bedroom warmth depressurised into the night and replaced with the wind's bitter breath. Goosebumps assemble over his dark skin like inverted meteor craters. This always wakes him when the cold snaps at his cheeks, clawing the sleep from sore eyes. But more than anything, he adores craning his neck towards the clouds, hungering for all the wonders that await beyond the sky. Rory glances at his mum, whose face is twisted and sweaty. She doesn't wake. Then it comes, that voice, that doubt which sickens his mind. Rory, Rory, Mum might get cold, then she might get ill, then she might... No, Rory, deep breath, he tells himself, the thought will go. But an image flickers into his mind, his mum pale and lifeless in an arctic bedroom. He closes his eyes, shakes his head. After several controlled breaths, the thought, the voice, fades into the background of his mind. Nonetheless, he hops off his bed and steps over to his mum, but her chest still lifts and drops. She's fine. He knew that, deep down. In sleep, she looks vulnerable, a far cry from the daytime carnivore he knows her to be. He creeps back across the floor, careful not to stand on the creaky bits he's memorised, and avoiding the wire of the tatty, oil-heated radiator. From under his bed, he drags out the thought diary, It's where he jots down all those peculiar thoughts that fill his head. All those thoughts that he gets and normal people, or so he sees them, don't. He was advised by his last head doctor to write out every fear and every doubt that fills his mind, assured that it would help him to see them for what they really are, farce. It's a nice diary too, leather. So he opens the page, moonlight helps him guide a biro through the dark. I was scared mum would die of hypothermia, because I open the window at night. Okay, it's only a 4 out of 10 on the anxiety scale. The thoughts are always weaker when he's tired, and Rory is able to offer at least three rational responses to counter the discomfort. It helps, a little. Before long, he's back at the window, but the voice will not be quiet. Rory, Rory, mum might get cold, then she might get ill, then she might... Nope, I'm keeping it open. Rory resolves, and as the voice finally fades, Rory once more turns his attention to astronomical matters. Above the roughing dogs and mechanical tide of distant cars, there is the sky. His sky. It's the same sky that covers all the world and all its people, whether they're of sound mind or not. 
Of course, living in South London, lights beyond count throw up an obstructive pink glow, which makes it hard to see the stars. But if he stares long enough, his eyes adapt and he can still find them. And name the constellations. He lifts a finger, tracing the little salt granule lights. Right, 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 his finger moves, Orion's belt. Right, down, down, right, down, left, up, this time, the plough. Sometimes Rory takes a piece of black card, pops out his medication from those little foil blisters, and lines the pills up in the shape of Cetus or Ursa Major, or some such other arrangement of stars. But the plough he makes tonight looks more like a saucepan. For one absurd moment, Rory wonders if supernovas and black holes boil and bubble inside the real plough all those light years away. Occasionally he finds a ruddy, dusty dot in the sky that doesn't shimmer, and he knows that's Venus or Mars, maybe even Jupiter. The sky has never failed him in its sameness, the only changeless thing he has in his life, and with that voice in his head making him doubt himself, he relies on this solid sky. Until now. Rory, Rory. Okay, I'll check her breathing, Rory concedes, giving in to the voice, the doubt. He tiptoes over to his mum, as though approaching a wild and unpredictable animal, and hovers above her, contorted face, listening. The breath comes jagged, but it does come. Mum's fine, Rory assures himself. Returning to the window, he snatches up his binoculars again, and brings the sky back into focus. It's still there, the intruder. He rubs his eyes and looks once more, this time using only his eyes. Yes, there it is, brazen, a brightness hanging in the north. It's not a plane. Planes move and flash with red and green. And whatever this is, it's not moving, and it's not red or green. And it's brighter than Sirius, the brightest star in the sky. So it can't be a star either. And then Rory sucks in his breath as... Another two lights appear, very close to the first. Then another. And another. Now there are five lights, all faintly purple, bold as you like. Not an intruder, but intruders. This might be something quite special, Rory decides. But it isn't right. These lights shouldn't be here. Thank, Thank you. you. I really like the <laughs> pills as constellations. Mm. Such a, yeah, microcosm of the whole book. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Always. Mm. Thank Amazing. You. Thank you very thank you. much. Max, thank you very much. And so people have until, is it the 11th of March? 11th of March, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so if you want to support um, Rory Hobble and the Voice <coughs> of Halagogan, please do head to unbound.com. And probably best search for Max. Yeah, I tried Parker, it earlier. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, you or, should find it. Or just Rory. Yeah. And Any of those, Rory, Max, Hawker, please do support it and... Even if past this and people listen to this and something else has happened, I've no doubt there will be a way that people can come and support that book and mm-hmm. make sure I hope so. um, Thank you. it comes to publication. And hopefully sure. people in a few years' time will be listening to this with a copy in their hands. Saying like, oh, I've got that already. <laughs> <laughs> Don't need to listen to this anymore. <laughs> but if you are listening and you're about to stop listening, wait. because Oh no, they'll have listened to the stick insect bit by now, won't they? Never yeah, mind. this is the end. Okay. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> On that note... Um, Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming in. Thank you very much for coming. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks.
see you started off close and yeah. then veered off. Veered off as though I was in a spaceship zooming across the galaxy and got sucked into a black hole. Well, these things happen. They do, don't they? Mm. Irritating when it does. Um, I thought that was... It, it took a lot of unexpected turns for me and I didn't expect the book to be what it was in the end. Um, I'm quite glad, actually, because I, I thought there would be some sort of space theme and I was like, oh God, I'm getting close. I've ruined it. Um, I've won at poking books. I've won. I've completed it. No, no, no. Every time it takes me by surprise. Um, but I thought there was a delightful balance between humour and, you know, looking at quite serious subjects and things that are underrepresented, um, particularly mental health mm. in children. I think it's, you know, really important, the stuff that Max is talking about. It's often, I think, those sort of characters, they are side characters or there's some sort of malign association with this sort of having very dark adult thoughts and mm. things like that. And yeah, I, I think it's going to be really exciting um to read, so. I think so. I think it's really important that people go and support Max's book because clearly it needs to be made. I mean, he's got loads of interest uh, and it could do some really good things and positive things for a lot of young people out there. You've been listening to Poking Books with Ellie Harris and Mark Bowsher. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Both of them are just at Poking Books. No hashtags, no underscores, just simply at Poking Books. You can also listen to the podcast at soundcloud.com forward slash Poking Books. Or wherever you get your podcasts from. And remember, if you do enjoy the podcast, please subscribe because it means more people will find us and listen to us. You've been listening to a Rabbit Island podcast and do tune in for the next episode very soon. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you. Bye.